Are you honestly seeking the truth? And are you willing to change if the truth is contrary to what you believe? What you are about to hear is extremely important, so please put down any distractions and pay close attention and prepare to have your faith challenged by God's Word. As a society, we've become geared to basing our beliefs on our experiences. If our experience and our feelings tell us that something is valid and genuine and good, then we automatically assume that that is the measure of absolute truth. Okay, we started off the uh, Speaking in Tongues series, part one, by establishing just what tongues were in the Bible. Earthly languages. In Bible times, the gift of speaking in tongues meant you were supernaturally given the ability to speak in earthly, not heavenly, but earthly languages. Those that you had previously not been able to speak. And it's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 refers to it as an unknown tongue. Not once, not twice, but about six different times. Next on part two, we dealt with the uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1, quote, Tongues of men and of angels. Some would have you to believe that angels spoke in an unintelligible language that no one understands but God. But we here on Truth Time with an open Bible, we showed that everywhere in God's Word where an angel spoke, they always spoke in an earthly language. The language of the people, the native tongue of the people they were speaking to at the time. These two programs, Part 1 and Part 2, are in the TruthTimeRadio.com archives and can be found by clicking the link that says On Demand, located there at the website TruthTimeRadio.com. So today we, we move on to part three and take on 1 Corinthians chapter 14. After this program airs live for the first time, it is then uploaded to the archives at truthtimeradio.com. This allows you to go back and, and, and to listen to it more than once, turn on your critical thinker, your discerner, check and double check what I'm saying, and if what I'm saying cannot be supported with God's word of truth rightly divided, then you must dismiss it. And find someone who will tell you the truth. Now, during the time when the gift of tongues were in operation, if handled correctly, tongues were to edify. However, when handled incorrectly, they only cause confusion. When the church came together as an assembly, it was important that, that those in attendance received edification. We're here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Go there if you can. Verse 5. Look at that, that the church may receive edifying. Verse 12, here we go again. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Drop down to uh, verse 26. Let all things be done unto edifying. How many things? All things. Let all things be done unto edifying. When they came together back here, and, and, and they met in homes, by the way, they were to be doing things to edify them as a body of believers. Edification of the church was so important that Paul felt the need to repeat it several times. Listen, if there is no edification when you assemble with others, you should close the doors. Close up shop, become a Bible student, get some doctrine installed in you, and start all over. Pay attention to the Bible and do things in decency and in order. What happens when we do so? Verse 31, 
All may learn and be comforted. How many? All. Listen, there are plenty of churches where this is simply not happening. Some of the most ignorant and uneducated people in America will be in church this Sunday morning. They are not being spiritually fed. Now, I'm not talking about a worldly education, which is fine too, but we're talking about being educated from the scriptures. And that's not happening. They're not being spiritually fed. Some have no clue as to what they believe, and and some of the ones that do have no clue as to why they believe what they say they believe. They're operating in something called blind faith, and God never meant for the Christian life to operate that way. The Christian life was never designed to function on the basis of ignorance, and is why, by the way, we have everything God ever intended for us to have in his book. We've been blessed to have his completed word. And is why Paul, here in verse 31, says that all may learn. And is why he also says, study to show thyself approved unto God. We should assemble together to be edified, to learn, to be comforted, and to be Colossians 2.7, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Counterfeit tongues do not edify. Counterfeit tongues do not root you. They do not build you up nor teach or comfort you. They'll only leave you unstable in the faith. God says, Ephesians 4, 5, look at it, there is only, and I quote, only one faith. You ever thought about that? God never ordained denominations. We make excuses for them, but it's not biblical. No, sir. God said there is one faith, and I choose to believe him over man any day of the week, and especially on Sunday. He never ordained multiple denominations and multiple beliefs. Denominations were birthed by men who refused to rightly divine the word of truth. Counterfeit tongues only lead to confusion, and you cannot build a proper foundation from that. It may feel good. It may excite you. It may give you an emotional charge, but... In the end, it'll only titillate the flesh and will not provide you with a platform whereby you may grow spiritually. We'll see here in this study that Corinthians had so confused and so counterfeited the gift of tongues that that it had actually become chaotic, and is why Paul devoted an entire chapter to deal with it. The study of God's word was ignored and neglected by the church at Corinth, and they had become victims of arrested development. Their spiritual development had stopped prematurely. That's what happens when we allow the flesh to overpower us and, and take center stage. That's when our spiritual growth will be stunted. Corinth was a prosperous seaport city. People traveled there from all over the world, and they did so to trade. These Corinthians had allowed all sorts of wrong doctrine to creep in the church, and, and they were practicing pagan feasts. Paul straightened them out about that. They were also worshiping idols. They were not loving one another like they should, chapter uh, 13. They were suing one another, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. And Paul had to correct them about all of these many, many problems that faced the Corinthian church. They were a result of them allowing pagan religions to come in among them. Corinth, being a major city of commerce, had a lot of trade that took place there. Foreigners coming in and doing business by way of ships. And some would visit the church. And naturally, this presented a problem considering they spoke in various tongues and dialects. So they were constantly having communication problems. And don't let anyone fool you. Chapter 14 was never to promote speaking in tongues, but rather to correct them on how they were doing it. 
speaking in various tongues, languages, were bound to happen in a seaport city with all their tourists. So Paul wanted to help them hold down the confusion that it might bring. And he basically tells these Greek-speaking Corinthians that if there is no one present to interpret, uh, don't allow a visitor to speak. It won't benefit anyone in the church one iota. No one will understand him, so instruct him to chapter 14, verse 28, keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and God. Today, what happens is many will take verses from chapter 14, rip them from their context, which will only lead to false doctrine. We've been asked numerous times to explain this chapter, so that's what we're doing today. We'll be back in just a moment. Listen to Truth Time on your smartphone. Download your favorite show today. Truth Time, exposing the truth, one download at a time. For a shot of truth with no chaser, visit truthtimeradio.com. This is Truth Time Radio. Hey, check out the website, truthtimeradio.com. Someone once said, truth only reveals itself when one gives up all preconceived ideas. Have you? Have you given up your prejudice? Is it really truth that you're seeking, or are you more comfortable in your tradition? Today we're studying 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, a chapter that has been misused and abused by many. If you'll remember in our last study, part one, we, with an open Bible, proved that tongues all throughout God's word were established earthly languages, native languages spoken by the people. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, here we go. Let's look at verse 1. Verse 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Okay, right from the start, right from the get-go, straight out of the gate, it's plain to see that at the time of this letter, it was more important that the Corinthians seek after the gift of prophecy. More important than tongues. Why? Because they were lacking the fully revealed, completed word of God. During this time, those who spoke out prophecy spoke the inspired word of God, something you and I today have no need of because we have it in our completed Bible. We have it in print. Think of that. Here we are in 2017, and we have people going down to the altar seeking a gift that is no longer even needed. They needed those gifts in order to make it through their general assembly. But we, we today, we have a Bible. Want to speak another language? Learn one. Don't need anyone to prophesy. We already have a Bible. You want to hear from God? Read His Word. You want to hear from God out loud? Read it out loud. If you have love and will allow it to be your primary motivator, you won't be praying for those Corinthian gifts that are no longer needed. You'll be Colossians 4.3 praying that God would open unto you a door of utterance so that you can present the mystery of Christ to others. Verse 2, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. 
For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now think with me. If I come into your English-only speaking church, speaking Spanish, who am I not speaking to? The verse answers this plainly, not unto men. No man there would possibly understand me because I'm speaking Spanish in an English-speaking church. This is all this is talking about. Notice the next three words, but unto God. So even though no one at your English-only speaking church would understand me, a Spanish-speaking visitor, God would. He understands every earthly tongue that has ever been spoken. Next, Paul says, Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. So, I would be speaking, quote, in the Spirit, by inspiration, and God would understand me. But the rest of the church, no way. My Spanish words would be what? A mystery, just as it says. Verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men. Well, that makes sense, because he would be speaking the language of the people, their native language, and they would understand him. To prophesieth, here in the context, is to speak forth the word of God in an understandable way. Again, they, not us today, but they needed this because at the time, they were without God's completed word. We're not. Paul goes on to say that it would edify, exhort, and bring comfort to the church. Anyone calling themselves a preacher should always speak in an understandable language so that they may edify, exhort, and comfort those in the assembly. Verse 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. So think about that. The foreign-speaking guest who, who spoke in his own language, which would be an unknown tongue to those there at the church, well, that foreign-speaking guest would only edify himself. You're speaking English, he's speaking Portuguese, you're not going to understand him. If no one can understand what he said, there would be no way for them to be edified, exhorted, or comforted. They could not be rooted and built up in the faith if no one can understand what they're saying. Therefore, he would only be edifying himself. But as Paul here goes on to say, But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. If I'm in a Greek-speaking assembly, I stand up and speak Greek, Everyone can benefit. This is why in the next verse, Paul, verse 5, Paul says, Greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. Huh, that's because those who prophesieth were those who brought forth the word by speaking plainly and clearly in order for all to understand. Therefore, they could edify the entire church. Verse 5. I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Paul, who spoke in all tongues, all languages, wished everyone else could as well, but only if they were interpreted so the entire church could receive edification. Look with me in, uh, in, in the book of Ezra. Look in the book of Ezra and look at, here we go, uh, chapter, let's go to chapter 4, chapter 4 and drop down to verse 7. Notice here, Ezra speaks of the king of Persia and he says this, and I quote, The writing of the letter was written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. 
Listen, if scripture means anything to you, I mean, just look at this. In scripture, tongues are always earthly languages. And the interpretation of tongues means just that. Means to interpret earthly, not heavenly, but earthly languages. Again, if you believe your Bible, as we just quoted from the prophet Ezra, tongues were earthly languages, and the interpretation of tongues meant to interpret earthly languages. Nowhere in the Bible does tongues or interpretation of tongues have anything to do with what some call a heavenly language. If you've ever asked a person that does not speak the same language as you for directions, you're aware of the importance of either learning a second language or having, or having an interpreter with you. If they cannot understand you, they cannot help you. They cannot edify you. There are churches today that claim they can teach you, teach you how to speak in these tongues of the Bible. Problem is, they have no clue what the tongues of the Bible were. If they did, they'd get out their Rosetta Stone and actually teach the tongues of the Bible. <laughs> the tongues of the Bible were earthly languages, just as the prophet Daniel said. He agrees with me whether you do or not. Daniel chapter 1, verse 4. The prophet wrote of those who had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and teach the tongue of the Chaldeans. Daniel chapter 1, verse 4. Read it for yourself. Read it for yourself and then have your pastor read it as well. They taught them how to speak in tongues, all right, but it's not the tongues you've been taught. Quote, they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. The tongue of the Chaldeans. The Bible definition of tongues in every case is an earthly language regardless of what your preacher decided to change it to. He's either parroting tradition or what headquarters told him to say, but he did not get it from the Bible. You may find it in the so-called church lexicon or the Sunday school quarterly, but it's absent from God's word, and you can take that to the bank. Let's continue. Verse number 6. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we've made it down to verse number 6. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? except I shall speak to you either by revelation, or by knowledge, or by prophesying, or by doctrine. Here, our apostle is saying, what shall I profit you if I come speaking languages you don't even understand? If I come into your, uh, uh, your Mandarin-speaking assembly, and I'm speaking Latin, what good will come of that? If I have a revelation I wish to share, perhaps some knowledge, a doctrine, how can you profit from it when you can't understand what I'm saying? Listen, Paul, Romans 16.25, received the revelation of the mystery from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But if Paul showed up speaking in an unknown tongue, a language you didn't understand, he couldn't share that revelation with anyone there. Who could he edify? Who could he teach? Who could he comfort? Not one single soul. Who could be built up in the faith if they cannot understand the words coming out of Paul's mouth. In this chapter, we're constantly seeing how just important it was for clear, easy-to-understand words to be spoken in the assembly of these Corinthians. Oh, this is good stuff when we finally decide to, to, to give up and just believe the Bible. Verse 7, And even things without life-giving sound, whether piped or harp, except they give a distinction in sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? 
Verse 8, For if the trumpet giveth an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for battle? At this point of the study, it should be starting to make some sense here. How can these Corinthians put on the whole armor of God? How can they prepare for battle if they haven't been fed? If they haven't been built up and nourished from the word of God? And how can they be built up and nourished if they could not understand one another? You see, Paul is saying, without a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? Listen, the church needs some trumpet players who know how to bring it. Some no-nonsense, refuse to suffer fools gladly, rightly dividing trumpet players. Hey, God's word of truth, when rightly divided, will put to silence the ignorance of the foolish. Be careful. This is one sharp two-edged sword and must be used correctly. So verse 8 says, If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? And verse 9 says this, Likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. Now with this verse in mind, I want you to ask yourself this question. What am I hearing in church? Read it again. Except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? You're just speaking into the air. You're literally having a conversation with the air because no one else in the building can understand a word you're saying. Paul makes it clear to anyone that will just let go of their predilections and approach these verses without prejudice. If your church allows people to stand up and speak in uncertain sounds that no one can understand, your church is operating out of order, plain and simple. Time is a precious commodity, and that's just a waste of it. They're wasting everyone's time by permitting people to speak like barbarians into the air. You cannot prepare for the many battles you'll face as a believer if you're being spoken to in uncertain sounds. As verse 9 says, you need to hear some words that are easily understood. Verse 10. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. You see, the gift of tongues in the Bible were always an earthly language that someone, somewhere, understood. That's why Paul wrote many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Why? Why does he write this? Because they're all clear and understandable. You and I learned the signification of sounds when we were just a child. You know, the cows go moo, the cats go meow. What was that called? See and say, I think. <laughs> okay, verse 11. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Hey, Corinthians. Hey, over here. Y'all are going at it all wrong by allowing those to come in your assembly who do not speak in the native tongue of the Corinthians. You're operating out of order by allowing them to speak. They should only be allowed to speak if someone is present that can interpret their unknown tongue. Interpret their foreign, unknown tongue into the local, known tongue so the entire assembly can be edified by what's being said. Otherwise, the service will simply sound barbaric, chaotic. The church cannot learn and be edified if the tongue has no translatable message. 
And before we move on to uh, verse number 12, this may be a good place for me to share something I once heard. A, a bilingual fellow who, who spoke both Greek and English brought some relatives to church with him. And they, they were visiting from Greece. The pastor asked him to say the prayer. He decided that uh, he would first pray in Greek for the benefit of his relatives that were there. And uh, then he would repeat the prayer in English for everyone else. Well, at the end of the prayer in Greek and before he could begin his prayer in English, a woman stood up and began to interpret. She said, and most of you, 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 you know the routine. She said, thus saith the Lord, I will hear thy pleas. I will rain down blessings upon my people, saith the Lord. If, if, if my people shall humble themselves and, and on and on she went with her so-called interpretation. She had been taught wrong like many today. She thought he was praying in what some call a heavenly language when he was actually praying in Greek, an earthly language. See, it doesn't work out so well when they try to interpret an actual earthly language that they've never been taught. And it's why the tongue talkers prefer what they call heavenly language. That way, no one can test them. No one can try the spirit to see if what they claim was said was actually what was being said. Well, the gentleman who said the prayer and who had thought that he himself a few years prior had received the gift of tongues, after this lady stood up and gave her false interpretation of what she thought he prayed, well, some good come of that because it caused him to question whether or not this this experience he had could be supported by scripture. He was inspired to begin to do his own research, which led him to later realize that he had been guilty of following after his fleshly desires, and he admitted that he had never actually spoke in what God's word defines as tongues. And he went on to say that he believed that he had begun doing it out of a desire to just fit in better at his church. Peer pressure, more or less. Okay, we've made it all the way here to verse 12, but we're out of time. We'll take up from where we left off next time right here on Truth Time Radio. Go to the website today, truthtimeradio.com. Don't forget, the Speaking in Tongues series part one and part two are there at the website. This is part three. We're hearing from listeners who are sharing this with family members, church family, co-workers, They're requesting CDs. And, well, we just hope you get something out of this as well. Go there today, truthtimeradio.com. Browse around on the website. We have articles. We have downloadables. You can email us with your questions or call us toll-free. It's all there, truthtimeradio.com. We'll pick up starting with verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 next time. Remember, you only get two educations. The one you're given and the one you give yourself. When a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease to be honest. You can now hear Truth Time on demand at truthtimeradio.com.